passage like uh, this one this morning. For one, it's one of my greatest joys and privileges as a minister to take part in such a special and precious moment in the life of a young family. Even though Leo will never remember this moment, I'll never forget it. One, because he's such a cute and adorable baby. But especially because this is actually my first time baptizing a child in this church. A second reason why I love services like this is because the church is always full, and I love it when the church is full. It's always great to have a church full of visitors, family and friends, of Gwen and Simone. We as a church family love Gwen and Simone. We know they love you, and we love having you being part of this special day. And we pray that after the service, we, we could get to know you as we spend time over food. But then there's a third and final reason why I love services like this. And it's because for just a brief moment, in the middle of the service, all eyes of the congregation are fixed on a little infant. Here's why that is so significant. Because according to Jesus in the passage we've just read from, if you want to know what the Christian life is all about, if you want to know how to become a Christian, and if you want to know how to grow as a Christian, then the best place to begin is to set your gaze upon a little child. Let me be clear why this is the case. It's not because children, little children, are innocent and pure. If you're a parent here, or an auntie or an uncle or a grandparent, you know that little children aren't innocent or pure. It's because little children know what it is to be utterly dependent and helpless. They know that a gift can't be earned or merited. And when they're given a gift, they know and they have no problem in receiving it with empty hands. And that is key to the Christian life, as we'll see this morning. Gwen Simone, you've, you've just taken promises that you're going to teach young Leo many things. But this morning, I invite you to, to give your attention to this. Leo's going to teach you many things about the Christian life. This is one passage I believe we all desperately need to hear and apply to our lives. Now, the heading of the sermon is learning from the little two simple points, how to become a Christian and how to grow as a Christian. Now, just so we can put this passage in its context, it is sandwiched between two other really relevant stories. The story before this one is Jesus having a discussion with guys called the Pharisees. They were the leaders of the Jewish religion. The sort of guys that every mother would want their son, their daughter to grow up and marry. These were men who lived outwardly good and godly lives. Their whole way of thinking was, if you keep the law and the laws that they had added, then you will surely have a place in the kingdom of God. And then the story that follows this passage is of the rich, young, religious ruler, who also believed that to enter the kingdom of God, you had to live the good life. You had to keep the rules. And yet, strategically, sandwiched between two stories is this story of Jesus and the little children. And it's because Jesus' point is this. If you want to know 
how to become a Christian. If you want to know how to live your life as a Christian, don't look at the Pharisees. Don't look at the rich, young, religious ruler. Look at the little children. Everybody wanted to emulate the Pharisees and the rich, young ruler. Jesus says, no, learn to emulate the little children. So look at verse 13. And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. So at this point in his ministry, Jesus is at the height of his popularity. His sermons blow people away. People are blown away by all of his teaching regarding the kingdom of God. His miracles, whether it's his healings or whether it's him casting out demons, have people literally standing in awe of Jesus. Well, here's Jesus. He's in this town and it it seems that everyone's heard of it. And so parents in the town start bringing their children to Jesus. Just a, a quick point. It's because their children were so little, they could not bring themselves to Jesus. In fact, in Luke's account of this story, when we're talking about little children, we're talking about babies, infants. So if you want to picture the scene in your eye, picture mums and dads carrying their infant sons and daughters. And Mark says the reason they were coming is because they wanted Jesus to lay his hand on them. In other words, they wanted Jesus to to give their children a blessing. But look at the end of verse 13. The disciples rebuked them. Jesus' 12 closest friends, the disciples, they, they prevent these parents coming with their children to Jesus. You know the word rebuke there? It's the same word for casting out demons. They literally want to expel these parents and little children from the presence of Jesus. Now, Mark doesn't tell us why they do this. Perhaps they thought the last thing Jesus needed was to deal with snotty-nosed kids. Perhaps in their minds, Jesus' ministry was just far too important than to deal with little children. Maybe they didn't think that blessing, praying over children, was as important as calming storms, casting out demons, teaching amazing sermons about the kingdom of God. We don't know for sure, but what we do know is that they berate the parents and they tell them, no, Jesus can't see you. Get out of here. Now, there's a real tragic irony to this scene. You see, it was supposed to be the mission of the disciples to bring people to Jesus. And here they are, turning people away from Jesus. Here's a point of application if you're a Christian here this morning. As followers of Jesus, do not hinder people from coming to see Jesus. Now you might say, of course I wouldn't. Of course I wouldn't do what the disciples did. But you know, there are many ways our lives can prevent people from seeing Jesus. And so we got to make it our daily prayer. God, may my life bear witness to you. May my life enable other people to see your son. In verse 14, we read that when Jesus saw what the disciples were doing, he was indignant. Now, in the word, in the, in the original language, this word is one of the strongest. It's the only time Jesus is described in this gospel as being indignant. He was furious. 
Jesus has nothing but compassion, care, concern for these little children. In fact, the very ones that his disciples were despising were the very ones that Jesus wanted his disciples to be admiring. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. In other words, Jesus says, don't stop them. Don't prevent them from coming to me. Jesus was not too busy, neither was he too important. He had the time for these little children. And maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to hear that. Jesus is not too busy. He's not too important. Jesus has time for everyone who will come to him. He never turns anyone away. Now, clearly there was a problem in the thinking of his disciples. They're thinking regarding children. These children were beneath Jesus. Unworthy to be in his presence. That wasn't their only problem. Their problem was how they thought about themselves. They thought they were worthy of Jesus' presence, time and attention. And, and, And because of where this passage is situated, they also clearly thought, if they looked at the Pharisees, they're the people who are worthy of the kingdom of God. If they looked at the religious young ruler, he's the sort of guy that is worthy of the kingdom of God. But one of the things that Jesus has been trying to drive home in all of his teaching is that there is no one worthy of the kingdom of God. No one deserves it. No one can earn it. Not by good works. Not by keeping the rules. Not by living the good life. Because here's the thing about the kingdom of God. It operates on the basis of grace. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do to merit it. God's grace blows away any thinking that to earn the kingdom of God is based on your moral performance. And if you don't understand the grace of God, you'll never understand the good news of Christianity. In fact, it's the grace of God that sets Christianity apart as unique from all other religions. Christianity says it's not about what you do, it's about what's been done for you in Jesus. You see, none of us are good enough to please God, to keep his law. All of us fall short. All of us have sinned. But the good news of Christianity is that our good God sent his good son to live the good life we could not live, to die a sacrificial death on the cross for our sins, And in so doing, take our sins, pay the penalty, and give us his good record, credit to our account his righteousness, and then be raised from the dead so that you and I need not fear death, but actually have the gift of eternal life forevermore. That is the message that Gwen and Simone love. That is the message that Gwen and Simone promising to raise baby Leo up in the knowledge of. The good news of the gospel. You know when these disciples turned the the children away? It was because they didn't understand grace. And so can I ask you the question, do you understand grace? Grace is God's love given to you you because you don't deserve it. You could never earn it. You know what marks a person who understands grace? 
is that they, they never look down on others. You know, someone who, who lives their life on the basis of their own moral performance and their good works, they'll have no problem looking down on others. They'll live their life in comparison to others. But someone who understands they didn't deserve it, they couldn't earn it, they were freely given it, they know that the kingdom of God is a level playing field. Well, Jesus has none of it. Jesus says to them, do not hinder the little children from coming to me, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus here now goes on to say that the the, the children are an example to us of how to become a Christian. Look at what he says. I tell you the truth. Anyone, or truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. You want to know how a person becomes a Christian? Like a little child. Now, Now, what is it that a little child teaches us about becoming a Christian? You give a child a gift, give them food, give them a toy, and what will they do? They'll take it with empty hands. They'll know that they can't contribute anything towards it. They're utterly helpless, totally dependent. They'll accept what you give them in faith. If you're a mom or dad, they'll trust you. They'll take it in faith that this is good for them. Well, Jesus is using these children who were brought to him to be blessed as an illustration of the way in which people must come to him and receive the gift he's come to give. But here's our problem. We don't come to Jesus with empty hands. We don't come to Jesus and receive it in faith. We often come in our own strength. We often come with our own good works and our own moral performance, and we think that Jesus should accept us on that basis. Jesus says, no, 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 learn from the little children. Learn what it's like to be absolutely dependent. You can't save yourself. He must save you and bless you. Can you do this, right? Can you become a little child? That is to say, can can you admit that you can't save yourself? That you're weak and that you're needy and that you're dependent? Maybe you're thinking, of course I can do that. Can you? Because I think that's actually our greatest problem. Strangely, there's nothing harder for us to do, as adults in particular, than to own who we truly are. There's something about this world, right, that wires us in a certain way that we don't like admitting the fact that we are needy, helpless, and dependent. In fact, one of the things we do not like admitting is that we are sinners. We're not perfect. One of the things we do not like to think is that there's nothing we could do to save ourselves. We need to be saved. You know, one of the things I love, I'm a father of two, two little kids, Theo, he's three, Elizabeth, she's one, you'll, you'll see them after the service running about. <laughs> one of the things I love about being the parents of, of Theo and Ellie is that they are always themselves. <laughs> Some things for good or for bad. <laughs> They're always free to do whatever they want to do. They'll never pretend. They'll never try and disguise who they are. They'll say things I don't want them to say. They'll do things I don't want them to do. 
But they know they can always be themselves in my presence. That's what little children do. They've not yet learned to cover up who they are, disguise their true self. No, they just own it. This is who I am. And here's the thing that Jesus wants all of us to learn. is to be like children. To admit who we truly are. We are weak, helpless, dependent. We are sinners in need of a saviour. We need to come with empty hands and receive the free gift he offers. So that's how you become a Christian. You, you come like a little child and you, you receive this gift that he gives. If after the service you give my son Theo a chocolate, and anyone in the congregation knows, his little face will light up. There will be pure unadulterated joy. And then see when you watch him (laughs) chewing the chocolate, he will light up in a way that you cannot imagine. It's a good gift that he loves. When you receive the gift of salvation, it's the gift that you desperately need. It transforms your life. And you'll discover the joy of his salvation. You didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't do anything to merit it. But God gave us it freely in his son, the Lord Jesus. So how do you become Christian? Just become like a little child. Here's the point of this sermon, right? We tell children to behave like adults, but Jesus tells adults to model themselves after children. Second question is, how do you grow as a Christian? And it won't surprise you, the the answer is the exact same. You adopt the the posture of a a little child. You know, one of my favorite songs in my young days was a song, Forever Young. Any of you ravers here? You you know that song, Forever Young. Well, um, Jesus invites us to be forever young, forever children. If you want to know what it is to be a Christian who's growing and becoming mature, this is the mindset you adopt. You will never outgrow your dependence for Jesus. You will never outgrow your need for him. You'll never outgrow being needy in his presence. You'll never outgrow the fact that you are weak. You know, in the Christian life, weakness... Dependent. They aren't our greatest fears, but they're our welcome friends. Now, here we are, right? And, and some of you, I reckon, are really successful in your working life. Some of you may have high position, high status. Some of you may be known to be someone who is significant. And you might feel a wee bit insulted, offended that Jesus says, like, if you want to be in his kingdom, you've got to become like a little child. If you want to grow in his kingdom, you've got to be like a little child. But here's the thing. It's because you're not willing to admit who you are. You know, one of the things about Christians, and Christians who are seeking to grow, is we can always be desperately trying to cover up and hide our failures trying to disguise who we truly are. And sometimes in the Christian, have you ever find yourself loathing yourself 
find yourself like hating the fact that you keep on doing things that you do not want to do, but you keep on doing them? It's because you've forgotten who you are. You are a weak, needy sinner in desperate need of a saviour to live your life in dependence upon. Read through the New Testament, this is what you discover. The maturest Christians, they boast in their weakness and not in their strength. They, they, they accept who they are. So, so here's this invitation to, to all of us this morning. Who, who are you? Admit it to yourself. Who are you? There's things in your life you know you can't change. You keep on doing them and you do not want to do them. Everything in our, in our world tells us we need to be strong, we need to be self-sufficient, we need to be powerful. But Jesus says, listen, you just need to be empty and I'll fill you. You just need to be you and I'll receive you and give you what you need. If um, baby Lee were to be there or, or Theo, my son, were to be there and I was to stick a million pounds of cash here and... Um, Simone's outstretched tender arms. Which one do you think Leo would choose? I'll tell you what he'd choose. He'd choose his mother's tender arms. If I was to stick, if I could put in a box, all the money, all the fame, all the prestige, all the power, all the possessions here, and put Gwen here with his outstretched, strong, fatherly arms, which one would Leo choose? He'd choose his father. Because here's the amazing thing about little children. They only have one true longing, well, arguably two. Food is the other one. But the first and most important longing, it is for love. And there's something about little children, and they get it. We were made for love. They don't buy the lie that you need to earn love, you need to deserve love. They're just awake to the truth and the reality, they were made for love. Now this is where this story is so stunning because after the teaching moment, Jesus now loses himself, as it were, in a tender moment of love. Look at verse 16. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now the question is, why does Jesus do this? He just taught them, become like little children. Why does Jesus do this? Why does he take them in his arms? Well, because this is a perfect picture of the gospel. This is a perfect picture of the good news of Christianity. This is what happens when you're willing to admit who you are. This is what happens when you're a Christian and you're willing to admit who you are. Jesus takes you in his arms and he blesses you with what you are truly longing for, yearning for. You know, so many people who are on the the rat race of life, whether it's in work, whether it's in home, whether it's among your peers, you know, deep down you're really yearning for love and acceptance. You can never find it. Look at little children, right? They've got something to teach us. Here in the arms of Jesus, they find what they are looking for. You know, we've been looking for this blessing ever since the Garden of Eden 
when our first parents lost it. When they turned their backs on God. And this yearning, this longing is deep down in our souls and we look for it everywhere. And here we're, we're, we can see with eye-popping clarity where the blessing is to be found in the strong arms of God. And you need to know this. His hands can never abuse. His hands will never turn you away. His hands are hands of healing. His hands are hands of love. He's got scars to prove it. And if you're not yet a Christian, his hands invite you to come and to receive the blessing that he has come to give. You know, one of the the glorious points that this passage makes is this. He doesn't love you for what you have to offer him. He loves you for who you are. I don't love my son or my daughter because of what they have to offer me or give me. I love them because of who they are. The stunning news of the good news of Christianity is God loves us knowing fully who we are, fully what he's done, fully what we've done. And he wants us to come to him empty-handed to receive his undeserved, unearned love. So I began by saying baptisms are great days. They're great days because in the middle of the service, we get to set our gaze upon a little infant. Gwen Simone, don't take your eyes off baby Leo. Raise him in the knowledge of the gospel. But learn from him. Learn from him what it is to be a Christian. And if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, come like a little infant and receive with empty hands, that which your soul is longing for, the blessing of God. Let's pray.